What's going on, guys? What's happening in the neighborhood? Big Nah, I was about to lie. I was about to say big boy neighborhood. Let me not get copyright infringement, man. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Model Empowered Narratives Podcast, where we work towards mastering empathetic navigation. I am a co-host, Jordan Flowers. And in the building, we got the whole gang, starting with my man, BJ Wilson, Jacob Hale, and Trey Mosley. How we doing today, guys? Chilling, man. It's a great day to be alive. Yeah, Yo, how we doing? Look at man. You, you can tell man. our personalities, too. Look at him. Mr. Serious over there. I'm just playing. My boy having a uh, a nice old rough forty-hour uh, work week, ain't he? Yeah, <laughs> you got him on sixty hey, hours. This what, hey, this what it is. They said they got him on yeah. sixty hours. They got him. Nah, on I said you. Oh, you I got him on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, listen. Before we move into, let me go ahead and apologize to all three of these guys because. I do have some high demand sometimes, and I'll be giving it to them a little bit late, and they still make stuff happen, so we appreciate them. Yeah, we're going to work on that next season. So <laughs> I'm going to take that one. I'm going to take that one. I'm going I'm to take that one on the 10 and say, thank you, guys. I'm going to be better. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to be better. What a hey, self-aware individual. Or if you stop wearing that UNC stuff on the podcast, then we good. Okay. Then we're, Listen, that's, we're, that's where we move on. Go ahead. Listen, Jordan, you're Suge Knight. I'm Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> Trey's Easy E. And, That's and the DJ. perfect example for him. Definitely Easy E. <laughs> BJ, BJ Snoop Dogg. Wow. No way he not. Nah, BJ could be cute. <laughs> BJ cute. BJ cute. Oh, BJ cute. You know what? I like that too. You can be ice cube. Yeah, man. Right, nah. But let's but let's get into today. Just have to go with someone likable. Like no. Yeah, one you gotta be them. somebody. Uh, you gotta be somebody. Yeah, because ice cube dropped no Vaseline. But uh, we off topic. All right. Let me off topic. Yeah, we all stuck in a 360 deal over here. Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, y'all not getting out, man. This is should have been records almost. But let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. Uh, before we get into this episode, make sure that you guys subscribe, like, comment, share your favorite podcast. All episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and here on the YouTube platform. Hit that bell button for notifications. Subscribe, all that stuff. It's gonna give us the encouragement. It's free. It's gonna give us Might as well. Yeah, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? If y'all guys love our podcast, we need to we need that uh energy so we can give you guys the content that you guys love and you guys so cherish us to do. So make sure to subscribe and like on all these uh platforms and make sure to comment too. We love to hear back the feedback, some of the things you guys want from us, some of the things you guys like, and uh being able to incorporate that. But with that being said, um before I get into talking about this. This season, we also want to give a partnership spot out or shout out to Mark Kicks and his um, company. Um, Marcus, he does great things. He's been with us since day one. Um, so get at him for all your exclusive sneaker needs, all his information for how to place orders, including his social media handles and website is down below in the video description. Get at him for. Uh, yeah, he got it all. Got it all. So get those uh those sneaker orders and and you know it's Christmas time too. Like you know just the just the time for holidays. So buy something for your lady. Buy something for your man's. Actually, buy ladies. Buy something for your man's. All yeah, right. We need yeah. More around here, we need more. Yeah. We need more of the gratification of the man. Yeah, man. We'll buy something for your man. So that's especially with the topic we talk about. But before we get into today's topic, I really want to sit here and say. Guys, we made it through season two. How are we feeling, bro? Like, I don't want to get into it because we got an episode for that, but we here, bro. What's your initial thoughts, bro? Season two. 
Man, it was a grind. I ain't going to lie. We grinded this one out. It was a whole lot of ups and downs. We grinded this one out. Grind. Hell. Yeah, man. It was it was a lot going on, but like we always say, you got to build the plane that you flew it, and, you know, we're, we've been soaring pretty well. Absolutely. And lastly, the conductor, the one that has to deal with all the problems. <laughs> Big season of adjustments. Love to see how versatile the team is. We're adaptable. We get things done. So Man, I'm happy for the gang. Yeah. We to get stuff done, gang. I was going to cuss there, but my mom watched this podcast. So I got to keep that to low. So I got to keep that to a low. But we want to get into today's episode. This is the season finale for us, episode eight of season two. Um, and it's a special episode because it's the first episode um, of all four of us being together on this platform. So it's a special episode for me, but it's also a special episode because if you know me and you've heard the story, if you haven't already, check out what is men. Um, healing for men is a very, very important for me, um, especially in my journey. So um, this this topic being healing for men called to action. Right. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Jesus Christ. Getting choked up before we even get into a story. But uh, let's get into it. So. I want to start off with the big question when we talking about this, right? So the healing definition is like the process of becoming sound or healthy again, right? But my question to you guys and be whoever wants to pick it up first, um, go ahead. But the question that I have for the, the question for dialogue is what is the one thing that comes to mind that you can point out that holds us men back from either recognizing we need to do some healing or to taking the steps to heal from certain things? I would definitely say that the big thing about us trying to heal as men is the feeling of like, you have to be stoic. You have to be no emotions, like nothing affects you. You're always onto it. Like you don't express your emotions. You just deal with your emotions internally. And I feel like that's the biggest problem with people trying to establish like what's going on in their life, going through the healing process, understanding that there's something wrong and that there's something that you still need to fix just because Everyone always says, like, you're a man, man up, things like that nature. It's just always, like, you're not allowed to have those emotions, but you actually, like, everyone's allowed to have emotions. You don't have to just be a man. Like, it's okay to feel vulnerable. Absolutely. And that vulnerability, and we'll get into a little bit into that detail, but that is a, a big thing is just understanding that vulnerability can, can be a power for us as well. But um, just still breaking those stigmas. Obviously, we talk about that on the on the podcast, that's why I got started is to model empower narratives. Literally, that's what it means is to destigmatize some of these things. So I'll kick it to you, Hell. Like, what is the one thing that you could briefly touch on that you think holds us back as men from starting the healing process or even recognizing that we need to partake in the healing process? Yeah. So um, I really like what Trey touched on to start it off. Uh, there's definitely, um, uh, we mentioned this in actually our first season ever, uh, some of the issues with uh, men coming together and kind of the stigmas of men and um, how that works out and things. So my angle on this is that uh, the reason why or what holds men back is pride. There's just a lot of pride. There's a lot of men that are afraid to be vulnerable and like we said, there's a lot of reasons why that happens, but in a general sense, when there's pride involved, people don't want to admit certain things, it blinds certain things, people don't want to be vulnerable. So because of that, 
a lot of your issues will never get addressed. And then it carries on over until it obviously hits that boiling point. Absolutely. And you building on just the just the the emphasis of what Trey is really talking about. And just in general, like you you like you said, is I and I we like you said, we touched on this briefly um in our first episode was just about how pride and ego is it's it's the greatest thing that can happen to man, but it's our greatest it's our fatal flaw. Um, in a sense is, you know, understanding that our pride and ego gets in the way of us getting and attaining certain things. But it also is the reason that we're great in a lot of things is because we carry those things. But understanding how to maintain that, how to, you know, suppress that to a certain degree, because you understand that obviously that those things cannot go when we're talking about growth is that pride and ego. But that is a big hindrance um, in terms of recognizing that we need some healing done. And I'll go to you, BJ. What 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 is it for you? that you think just the one thing that holds us men back from healing or recognizing that we got some healing to do from certain situations? Um, honestly, it's, it's low-key history, you know. Um, a lot of uh, th- throughout time, I guess you could say, uh, a lot of our parents, a lot of our dads have experienced uh, this thing where they're not shown or taught to, you know, be not be compassionate, but be open to others. And that kind of gets passed down to us. And it's some of our mothers might have known that as well, and they might teach or pass that down to us as well. And so it's kind of just something that comes from the family aspect, in my opinion, at least. And it just gets passed down and gets passed down. So you got to be that one in your family to kind of break that cycle. Absolutely. It's that gener- almost like a generational curse type of thing in yeah. what you said, like, because you don't know what you don't know. And you you getting into a little bit about how, you know, how important it is, especially as we grow up, understanding that a lot of things that we were taught and having to unlearn a lot of things that we were taught and learn a lot of things that we weren't taught. But like um, like you said, some of the things were passed on, were passed on from our parents' parents, our grandparents. So you said, like you said, it's just recognizing that we have to be the ones that that breaks um, those cycles, especially the cycles that's not that's hindering us from moving forward. But I do want to get into the next subtopic that I want to talk about, because a part of um, a part of healing is um, before you even heal from anything, you have to grieve, right? And there's a grieving process as well. So um, I want to talk about the five stages of grief. Um, it's a psychological concept. My last one of the season, by the way, fellas, I know y'all happy yeah. about that. Like, man, this boy I'm always come with this one. I can, I can ride with it. <laughs> yeah, so my boys can rock out with this one. But um, you have to grieve. You know, you know the old saying, you have to, before you heal, or before you heal, you have to feel, right? And so going through the grieving process is a super, super important. It's the only way to get to healing. But in terms of the stages of grief, right? So we got denial. We got anger. We got bargaining. So that's your what if stage, like making deals with yourself or a higher power. Like what if it was me? What if I was there? Why shouldn't it, you know, bargaining with yourself? And then we got depression. And the final thing um, being acceptance, um, coming to some type of acceptance with the grieving process or whatever you're grieving in that situation. So my next question for dialogue to you guys is out of these five stages, which one would you say that you have found the most difficulty with and trying to get towards acceptance? And can you speak to it briefly? And I will go with, let me pick a hat out. This not just blank. Let me go with BJ. What's what is out of these five stages? What have you seen yourself have the most difficulty with um, in terms of getting hung up in the process? So I feel like a lot of people would be bargaining. Um, Feel like you can make some type of trade that something better should have happened but for me i feel like it's probably been denial um example of that is uh i think it's eighth grade or seventh grade uh, my grandmother passed away and you know it was probably the first like 
close family death I really experienced. And it hurt for a while and hurt for a while. And I was starting to accept it. And then I woke up from a nap like two weeks after it happened. And I couldn't believe it happened all all of a sudden, all of again. And that's kind of been a theme throughout my life is I'll start to finally accept that something's happened. And then I'll wake up and it feels like it was just a dream. And I'll start wishing it was just a dream. And obviously it never is. And then you got to start that whole process over. So easily denial for me. Denial. Absolutely. And what that's do you think like, helped you through that denial, though? Do you think there's anything that you did or anything like that that actually helped you like get through the denial stage that you were stuck in? Because obviously you're a great person. Everybody knows that like you're not one to just always be down. So what do you think helps motivate you to for everybody else to see you like that? Well, I mean, this whole podcast is about or this whole season is about self-awareness. I'm not good with denial at all right now. Like uh, still, whenever I go through something hard, I still have times where I try to deny it and act like it didn't happen. I want to believe it was all just a dream or whatever. That's still something I'm working on to this day. But in terms of being happy, um, you know, me, Trey and uh, Jordan, we all had the same coach, Coach Baz. He always gives us a story about uh, the one guy who chose. uh, Basically, he was about to die and he chose to live is basically what the story is. Mm -hmm. And he ends that story by saying you can choose to be happy. So me choosing to be happy every day and not being down on myself is really what helps me get in a positive mood. Absolutely. That's, that's a great question. And I'll kick it to you, Trey, because obviously you got to, and we'll get into it, how these things have pushed us forward and propelled us forward. But how is it for you hearing from BJ and that is that like we are all especially in this process, and I want to do, I think this is a perfect time to point this out, is within these five stages, you could bounce around, right? It's not like you got to be stuck in one, you know what I'm saying? So you can bounce around and before you get to acceptance. But for you, Trey, what do you think is the one thing that you probably found yourself most caught up in in terms of just the stages of grief? I would say definitely anger for me through like all of the stages of grief was is anger just because of the fact that I would be mad. Like another instance, like BJ brought up is that how he was talked about how his grandma passed away. My grandma passed away when I was at school and she was very near and dear to me. And I still, I have a lot of tattoos, but I have this one that's always been with me. Just this one is two F's and it stands for fancy forever. That was her nickname. But I was just so angry because I felt like I was robbed of being able to be around her because I had only, I only saw her on football games. And everybody else was always around her constantly. And she they were always allowed to be around her just because they were there. And she always came to everything, like my all my little brother's games, all my cousin's games. Like she was always all about family and all because she was retired. So she always had that time to spend with everybody. And I felt like I was robbed of that time being around her just because I was so far away. And I was so angry I, about that. So I do got a question for you. In terms of your anger, did you... And may, I, maybe I got the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Did you ha- grow an anger and a resentment towards God at that time? Um, I think at first I did. But then I realized, like, it wasn't even it was just her time. Like, it was certain right. things happened and like everything happens for a reason. And I feel like that actually like just me thinking about it, like actually led me to towards being more uh, faith driven and like starting to pray a lot more. And like, even times now, like I'll pray, like I had big interviews last couple of weeks and right. I've been praying like 
towards God, but I was also like talking to my grandma through while I was praying to God. And I feel like that anger and that like me seeing that low point in my life to where I was second guessing myself and second guessing God, it also helped me strengthen my belief in God. And it helped me drive myself to start praying more and start like digging into the like nitty gritty of things and like being able to realize like no matter what happens, like he will help you no matter what. And he, and there's always a saying that they say is that God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And I truthfully do believe that. And I like just through that whole experience, it really made me truly realize like, everything happens for a reason and it might not be in your plan, but his plan was already set and he's trying to guide you. And maybe you weren't ready for the gifts that were given at that time, but mm-hmm. eventually he will give you something that prospers and that everything will happen out the way that you wanted it to, if, if or even better. And the one thing too, that I would add to both y'all stories and the one thing just on the concept of death, I ain't, I ain't forget about you, hell coming right to you. Uh, is um the the fact that but we were born to die you know what i'm saying and it's like a harsh reality and i understand how death is kind of looked upon because it is like somebody you losing like you know what i'm saying in terms of like yeah we gain an angel and stuff like that but the physical being like like i, I resonate with that obviously with even my homeboy passing y'all know it was the anniversary of him last yesterday and just going through that grieving i I can talk about that for days in terms of the grieving process with that. And I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode, but we were born to die. And, uh, we just, just, this is, it goes to show you, but this is temporary. Our life is very temporary and we live in a borrowed time. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody got a due date. My favorite saying my dad used to say to me is, you know how everybody says like, uh, that tomorrow's not promised. Mm-hmm. My dad kind of flipped it and was like, no, nah, tomorrow is promised. Just not for everybody. Like, it's going to be a tomorrow whether you're here or not. You know what I'm saying? And it just kind of put things a little bit more in perspective for me is understanding that, bro, you living on borrowed time. You don't know when your due date is. Hence why I always show my now tattoo. Shout out to D-Lo. They can't even see it. This is nasty work. It says now for my <laughs> for the viewers and for the listeners. Cause I'm clock you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's just about living in the moment and understanding whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Go for it now. You don't always got to attain everything. You're never going to attain everything that you want, but at least trying to go for it now or starting the process. So with that being said, I told myself I'm going to sh- uh, shut it down and be more concise. So hell, I'm coming to you, brother. Um, in terms of the five stages of grief, what is something you found yourself um, being hung on or like having the most difficulty with. Uh, you're trying to be concise and then you throw it to probably the second worst person when it comes to trying <laughs> to make something Absolutely. short and concise. So <laughs> it's, a, it's all uh, good, but then we do for sure. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a specific one. Maybe, maybe you can tailor it to a specific one or it loosely falls one or two, but uh, personally, for me, I'm a big what if guy. What if this happened? What if this didn't happen? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, this was and this this was a very big impact on my life. And the more and more I grow and mature and go through things, the more I can look back and realize how big of an impact on, on it in my life. But um, uh, to share with you guys. It's no secret to any of my friends, but, uh, you know, my parents are divorced and not only are they divorced, they found a way to both get remarried and then get re-divorced. But 
more importantly, I'm going to focus on the first one since it had to, they were both my biological parents. And right. um, I think most kids really go through that now that I'm maturing. It's just that what if it's that what if my parents did stay together? You know, what what could I have done? You know, even though I was young, what could I have done to make it not happen? What what would our life be if that never happened? And um there's a lot of there's there's a lot that forms into anger with that, you know, at times, especially when you're a kid. There's certain things that you do where you almost kind of uh pin the parents against each other. You know, you almost you almost put your parents in a situation where they have to fight for your love to a degree. And um, I remember my uncle, my uncle was a very prominent person in my life. Shout out to him. Um, you know, I had, I was blessed with many role models growing up and he was definitely one of them. Even though he never had kids, he always treated us like his own kids. And one of the best advice he ever gave me he sat me down one day because I was really mad. Something to do with my parents. Um, just, But he could kind of tell. It was just somewhat of the situation hitting me. And basically what he told me is, is that, listen, at the end of the day, no matter what your parents do, your parents are, all, are either going to teach you what you should do or what you shouldn't do. And it doesn't matter how they teach it to you, but that's what you're going to learn. So as you grow older, when you look back at what your parents did, when you have your own kids, you're going to look at my parents did this. I know I need to do that. My parents did this. I know I should never do that, you know, because I know what it's like to be in the kids role. And um, just having those role models and people around like that really helps put things in perspective because it's always different with everyone. It's tailored right. to everyone, even though it's a very common thing, I think. I think almost all of my friends are actually hurt. Their parents are divorced. You know, there's only a small amount. Um, and again, you know, it all hit us differently, but we all do find it, find healing and talking about it, you know, when we have the chance and when we have the opportunity to. So definitely for me, yeah, the what ifs were definitely, uh, definitely something that I always try to work on and try to be better at because at the end of the day, you know, Hindsight's twenty twenty. You can always look back and say something's good, something's bad, but gotta live Absolutely. in the moment. Absolutely. And before we move on, bro, you a couple things I want to talk about. One, in terms of what I would what I heard from you in terms of the what ifs, that's classical bargaining. That's that's classical bargaining. Um I and I wasn't gonna talk about it, but something in me is telling me that I should say something because um it's the same thing I think as children sometimes when things don't work out with our parents if you're in that type of situation and that's not for everybody but kids that are in this situation and i was in that situation as well we put it on ourselves that we were the dividing factor even if it ain't had nothing to do with us even if it was before us it was after us we take that burden on right and something that resonated with me hell is, and what you said is like early on bro like for me, I wanted to always, I look like my father. I wanted to be just like my father. And we have a great relationship. That's not what I'm saying. But since he wasn't in the house, like I always felt like something, not for him, but just in terms of just my parents not working. I was like, dang, did it have something to do with me? Even though it had nothing to do with me, I kind of like took that on as a kid. Like you ain't really say nothing. You know what I'm saying? You wasn't going to tell your parents or nothing like that. But 
I always felt that way where it was like, dang, did I have something to do with it? Like, and I was always trying to prove something, but I, I will say to you in terms of my advice, and I'm trying to keep this as very brief. I promise y'all um, is my point really is, is that what, what I realized is I don't know I, if I would be the man I am today, if I had my father in the house, because I was chasing something, obviously he was a part he a part of my life, but like I was around my mom, my sister, I was around all women. And so like, I was pushing to be the best man available and best man possible for myself. But yeah, I, a person, I had a role models, but like it was still me in the house. So I think that added to the drive almost was being the only male in the house. I wanted to kind of take on that, that burden. And I think it made me the man I am today. So I do feel for you in that regards, bro. I know exactly where you're coming from, but we will talk about that. That's a definitely an episode we got to touch on in terms of uh, coming those children from coming from uh, those type of households or single parent households. That's an important one. But for the sake of conversation and for the sake of me keeping promises to my group, we're going to move on um, to our friends, bro. And this is a big, big one. We all have some friends whom we know we have who have gone through some some tough times and had some traumatic events take place in their lives, right? We all know some people that just like didn't get the luck of the draw, bro. Like just it just seems like a lot of bad things have occurred or they just might have had a lot of misfortune um that had nothing to do with them but and that has caused them harm or caused them stress or caused them a lot of grief. And so my next question to y'all, and I'll go to Trey first, is do you have friends that you know who haven't addressed certain circumstances or situations or feel or you feel like they haven't addressed it rather and they didn't heal properly and maybe it has changed them? And how did you see that those situations or circumstances affected them? Um, I would definitely say that I have I have a lot of different friends. So I can say that I have people that have had traumatic instances and they have fixed what happened. And then I also have friends that have traumatic instances and didn't do anything about it. And I would say that people that didn't do anything about it, you can definitely notice their characteristics change. It's just like, I feel like I have one friend for sure that I'm thinking about that it's just, he's more aggressive now and he's just quick to snap off. And like the thing that happened to him, it was very traumatic. And I felt like it was like, it hurt everybody that happened to him. And he was in, he was in a really bad car accident. And I feel like, yes, he is like that person I know and love. And I will always love him because that is my brother. And I've been through the worst of the worst with him. But I feel like it changed him as a person to the point to where he was. He's like, he's not even the same person he was, which not saying that everybody has to be the same. Right. But it's like you can easily tell that he's quickly triggered and he's quick to snap. And just no matter what, it's like. It's the littlest thing can happen, but it's like it just flips a switch with him and he's just on and on and on. it. And it's like I even put myself as a fault because I particularly haven't really addressed the problem. But I wouldn't even say it's a problem. I just I haven't addressed like the mood changes that he has. And like he's we've talked about it before, but I haven't been the person to like say like maybe like I would go with you and we can go find some, find you some help or we should go do something about the circumstances that have happened to you because they were unfortunate and it was a bad experience for him, family, all of us. And it's just like, it's just a hard situation because I don't really particularly know how to approach it. 
But I would definitely say that it has changed him, and I still am working on how I should do it, which he's gotten better as time has went on. But, like, at first it was really bad, and I just didn't know what to say just because it was such a sensitive situation and there was a lot going on. You ain't lying, brother. You just almost spoke. You almost spoke into my soul. I'm gonna get into my story a little bit later, but bro, that's a that's a definitely part of how do you? It, it's hard, especially with something traumatic happening that has nothing to do with them, particularly their actions. How do you address that without coming off like you stepping on toes? How do you? You muted yourself. You're good. Uh, he's coming off as a little bit mute. All right, well, yeah, no, why don't you go? Yeah, oh, okay, good. good. All right, yeah, we're good. Um, got to hop in there. We had to hop in there, bro. Just keep that a part of it, bro. They're gonna see the mistakes, bro. Um, but, um, no, Trey, getting back to what Trey was saying, but that just goes to show you, bro, like how much we really, really go through and how do you really address that with somebody you love without making them feel a certain type of way. And that's a skill, and that's hard to really, really do. So I'm, I'm with you there. So I'll kick it to BJ, bro, um, with that same question. Have you seen some type of situation or circumstance happen to your friend and how it has affected them? And can you briefly touch on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've had lots of things happen to friends, like Trey said. Um, and, you know, some things you might think are smaller when you're looking at it from the outside, but when it happens to that person, it's a little bit bigger. I had a friend who got uh, injured during the football season, uh, obviously, we've all been injured. It sucks. Um, it really hurts. You feel like you can't do anything to help your team. And I had one friend who got injured like in the middle of the season, and it didn't really seem like it was bothering him too much. He kind of seemed nonchalant about it, kind of seemed like he didn't care. And that's one of the things you got to watch out for is people who are really good at hiding stuff. And mm-hmm. it, they just let it eat them alive. They don't ever ask for help. That's not healthy at all, at least in my opinion. I don't think it's healthy. Uh, asking for help is great. But so he was just letting it eat himself up or eat himself up and he wasn't telling anybody about it. And then one night he was under the influence of alcohol. He and it was me, one of our other friends and him. And he finally just let it out that he was in pain. He felt helpless and he felt like this was the one time that uh, that just everything was going wrong in his life. And so that's kind of how I see it affecting people is it gets them to that point where they snap and they, they ball their eyes out and that's okay. It's okay to be emotional and show your uh, true colors, but it just was painful for me to not really notice what was going on with him and know that he was going through that pain. So just to right. see my boy down and out like that was, it was rough. Man, 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 man. I'm about to, this is probably about to be the first time Jordan tearing up on the podcast on live. Um, because BJ, what you're speaking to, um, is something that we all have kind of, and it's hard, bro, because in a way it's like, how do I, it's like, you kind of put that blame on yourself, bro. Like, dang, like I should have noticed, or why don't I understand this? Or how did I not see this? Um, before I go to you, hell, bro, I want to, because I want to piggyback off of his story with my own story of obviously my homeboy Ramsey it's the biggest part biggest reason I got into psychology biggest reason I got into this field yesterday was his um six-year anniversary of his death bro um I even got his mural if you know me his mural is right behind, behind my computer the biggest influence on my life outside of my family um 
And I was talking to my sister yesterday, man. I think I got so many tears also. But what resonated with me and that BJ is because I got into this field with him. And then if you know his story, long story short, my brother um, committed suicide some years back, six years ago. Um, and that was the first time that I had in my life has lost somebody to suicide. And that was the first time in my life where I was dealing with somebody that had died and I couldn't point to definitively, this is why it wasn't no note or nothing like that. So for the longest, bro, it ate me up. Like it still does, bro. Y'all should have seen me last night. I was a mess. Um, because now that I got into this field because of him, you know what I'm saying? I know what I know. I'm so driven because of him. Like I want to save somebody else's Ramsey. Like that was the initial drive for all of this. I want y'all to know that. Like I wanted to save everybody from themselves because my brother couldn't live. And now knowing what I know, BJ, I was talking to my sister about this last night. It's like, how did I not know? Like, I, how did I not see the signs? Like, why did, did I not make him feel like he could come to me? Like, was there more I could have done? And those questions can never be answered. And they understand that people are going to do what they, you know, when, you know, feel like they need to do. But just understanding that my brother was in pain and I didn't see it or he hit it well and blame putting a lot of guilt and shame on myself. And it's something that's, that if we talk about my partner, if we talk about something I'm still working through, that's something that I'm still healing from um, is that situation. But it has propelled me forward in terms of like what I'm doing. So I feel for you there, brother. Um I think a lot of us put a lot of on our on our plate in terms of guilt and shame when we feel like we can't do anything and we should have been better. But we got to understand that we 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 try our best. We try our best, and we have to live with that and live with God's will for people's lives. And it's hard pill to swallow, man. And it still doesn't make sense to me. But I'm glad I'm working on God's time and not mine, because um, it because that's what it is. You know, he's not old to me. Like he gave us his years and God said, it's time for him to come back home. And I can't have any quarrels with that. Right. So I, I, I feel for you there. So hell, I'll, I'll kick it to you. Now we're getting into some heavy stuff. Hell, um, do you have a friend yeah. that was in a, in a situation? It don't got to be that deep or even if it is that deep that you understand that they hadn't healed from a lot of things that went on in their lives. Um, I'll just say that was very powerful to start off um, for all of you guys, just so you guys understand. Um, it's very easy just to point out the negative, but beyond the realm of the podcast, just us in general, you never know how much positive impact you've given out. So I just right. want you to keep that in mind. You never know, like you never know what your friends are going through. You never know what people are going through. You never know what you being there or what you could have said at the, you know, time of the moment what that could have done to the other person even if it's small or insignificant so i just want you guys to remember that like you know at times it's easy to beat yourself up but also you never know how much of the good stuff that you've done or that you've said you know absolutely and how that has affected people in the positive and going with my story um one of my best friends in high school it was unfortunate uh, what happened to him in this family situation, but basically his uh, dad suffered a really bad stroke and um, it was it was just a tough time because we were right in the middle 
of track season, you know, a lot of things going right for him, for the team, everything. And then that happens, right? So the answer is I'm his best friend. So obviously I'm the one that's there to console him and stuff. And to a degree, yeah, but we were young and we were both guys, you know, we we were never taught how to communicate in that way. So um, looking back, I do think about that. I wish I was more upfront with him, knowing the information that I do now. But at the same time, um, there is a certain type of normalcy that I created without even knowing about it. And it's something that we talked about at some point later on is that maybe I wasn't there to be like, how are you today? Let's sit down and talk, right? But the fact that he knew whenever school ended, he'd go into track practice. I was there. Everyone was there. We're going to work out. We're going to have fun. You know, I'm going to crack a bunch of jokes and stuff. That in and of itself was healing for him during that time. Because when he went home, reality always set in for him on what was going on in the situation. So... It's just it's just amazing because, again, I never knew that. And then, you know, I look back and I feel bad about it because I was always like, I wish I did more. But at the same time, I may have did way more than I could have done if I would have sat down and talked to him because to a degree I created that normal. So I just want anyone to also think about that as also a possibility that it is great to sit down and have those serious conversations. But sometimes you're put in there to play a different role and that's okay. Sometimes you're not going to be the serious guy. You're going to have to be the fun guy. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to have to be the different guy that brings a different perspective, you know, to take him out of reality for a little bit, because that's what some people need sometimes. So I would would just say that's just something um, that I want to leave you guys with something that you should think about. Do you think there was ever a time that you ever, like, felt like this was my aha moment for, like, that situation that you were talking about? It's like there was something that happened to you or there was some realization you came to to where, like, maybe it just wasn't you who was supposed to be the serious person. or Maybe it wasn't you who was supposed to be the difference maker. Yeah. uh, In that situation, there was actually a conversation at some point where um, his girlfriend at the time and um my friends and which is also his friends we kind of talked about it and um from the sound of it his girlfriend was more of the that type of support which again being men that's kind of what we were taught with having a significant other like that it's that that's the person you go to right so that's where he felt most comfortable being vulnerable in that sense right so during those conversations that's kind of where i started to put it together it's like you know, okay, well, I'm just going to make sure, like, not overdo my part, of course, like, don't fake it, but I just want to make sure that when he's with me, it's just normal. We're just going to talk about normal things, sports, whatever, you know, and then when he's willing to, which he did at times, he'll sit me down and we'll have a real conversation and, you know, he'll he'll say what he needs to say to me, essentially. That And I want to commend you for that, brother, because People don't know how important of a skill that is. And that's a skill that you got to develop. So that was a great question, Trey, is understanding that how to not be overbearing. You know what I'm saying? Um, That understanding of, like, there's certain things that, like, 
that you can say or you should say, um, but there's a time and a place for them. And sometimes they don't want that self-pity. Sometimes they don't want that, like, every time I listen or I'm talking to you, like, it, it's always like, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, or it feel like I'm making you feel like something is wrong with your situation. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, definitely an escape in a, in a sense. So um, letting them open up to you is an important skill. And I think that we have to hone those skills. But it's important that sometimes it is you got to be the normal one. Sometimes it is you got to be the fun one. Sometimes it don't have to be as very serious because that can add the added pressure. Like, hey, bro, like I'm already dealing with a lot. Like, I don't need you to feel like, you know what I'm saying? Because they're not ready for that yet. So I commend, commend you for that. Any other thoughts with that? Um, I would definitely say that, like, this is for anybody. Like, what do you think is a time where you realize that you were you were being too overbearing on someone or you were, feel like you were pushing for something that they weren't ready for? And how did you, like, change the, change the scenario, like, flip the script and try to flip into that fun guy role, like how Hale was talking about through his experience? Anybody want to start? I get no, nah, I got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, nah, 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 I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it then. You know, I just I didn't want to go with the, the man that talk it forever first. But um, no, I'm dealing with something like that today. Um, you know, what I'm saying like what's so crazy about this trade, bro, is um, I have a homegirl. Um, like I said, we don't say no names that was going through some very serious things, bro, um, that happened to her. Um, but at the time of my life, I wasn't there to give the best advice. Like Loki, you know, the quote unquote therapist friend that everybody has. Well, literally, be yeah, because, because I'm in the field, like it's, mm -hmm. it ain't no yeah, quote I mean, unquote. It's, literally, it's like, know. it's literally <laughs> that. So, yeah. uh, so, you know, but she was going through some serious stuff, but I wasn't in the right place mentally, bro. And so the one thing that was happening was a lot of trauma dumping, which we, that's a whole different episode. But the, the, the gist of the story, what I was trying to say is that, like, you got to understand just by your presence, bro. Sometimes that's the best thing to be around, like being a safe space. We talk about safe space. What a safe space really is, is like, can I go be around Hale, BJ and and Trey? and feel like i can be cool with being myself and that's okay with them that's what a safe space is it ain't just about talking it's like can i go be my normal self like what i feel comfortable with and be authentic good or bad and i don't feel like i'm being judged in here and so being that safe space was important just to like i can't sometimes i can't offer you advice i'm not in the best place to give you advice but I'm here for you. And I think that presence alone for people that know that you authentic and genuine is something that will almost not take away their situation, but it'll resonate with them in a way. Like I know they can't help me fully, but I know they support me fully. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the uh, safe space, uh, you know, me and uh, Trey had a pretty serious situation. Uh, I want to say it's about two years ago, a year and a half ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, where one of our friends was going through a really rough patch in life. And our solution to that was that safe space. It was, okay, we're going back to the room. Uh, you come with us. We're all just going to chill, watch a movie. And hang out. We were just there. Yep. Just there. We, we didn't even talk about the situation. We were just solely just 
saying, okay, we're here for you and you're not going to be alone while you're going through this tough time. We didn't even bring it up after past after it happened. We dealt with that situation and then we were just like, all right, we just finna kick it. Like we're right. going to make you feel better just because we know that you had a low point and we wanted to help you out. Absolutely. And anything on that hill in terms of safe space or just back to Trey's question? Um, I guess with Trey's question, uh, the only thing I would add, because I feel like I kind of answered it. So the only thing else I would add is this is just my personal experience. I know it varies, but I guess a good observation that I've noticed is that whenever it's an issue that is ongoing, still happening as a continuous stretch, it's more than likely that you're going to turn yourself into the safe space. Like you're going to talk, you're going to have serious conversations, but for the most part, you're probably going to end up turning into the safe space if the problem is an ongoing issue. And then versus when it's a, it just happened, bang, right there, short issue. Now it's done. Now you have to live with it and grief and everything. That's more of when, um, you know, you sit down with the person, have that personal conversation and, and everything like that. And that's just my personal observation when it comes to situations like that. But uh, again, it varies. It's just something that I tend to notice when it comes to supporting my friends and when issues arise. That's a great observation. That's a great observation. And like I said, it's just really about what we all speaking to essentially is just reading the room. You know what I'm saying? Reading the room, knowing when to go in and say something, knowing when to not say something, knowing when to bring it up, knowing when, hey, bro, like, I just need this, like Hale said, like Trey and BJ talking about with their friend. Hey, bro, I just know, like, just show me that you're there, bro. Like, let's just go, just be, let me be with you, bro. Let's call it for what it is. Let me stop. Oh, let me stop beating around the bush. Let me just be with you, bro, because I feel safe enough to come around and be around my brother where I know it's all genuine love. Let me stop making it so weird. That's what we're talking about is destigmatizing these things, right? Let me go be around my brothers, bro, because they make me feel safe. So that's that's all we're speaking to. But I would, just for the sake of, of time, I do want to move along with this conversation. Great convo. We can go on for two hours. If you let me, you know dang well we would. But, again, I got a promise to keep. So we're going to keep moving. Um, But this is the big one. This is the big one, and this is why I saved it for last. Um, I have a personal story with this that I'll tell myself uh, or tell. I said tell myself. I tell myself the story every day. Tell uh, our followers and listeners. But healing from relationships. Um, and I don't want to get too much and too in depth with this all the way because we can talk. I want to save this for a whole different episode down the road because this can go on forever. But this one hits close to home for me as well for all of us as men, although we don't often like to admit the impact that these intimate relationships had had on us in both a negative and positive way. Right. And speaking to a negative, though, because I do think that this is important to speak up on is how men can very much well become codependent in any type of relationship that they have a quality, a quality that we as in men cast off as a feminine trait that only women can develop it. So just talking about codependency, just as a definition is an emotional behavioral condition that affects an, an individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship. And it's often uh, referred to as relationship addiction. So my question, my final question for dialogue, um, because I know we're going to have a lot to say about this and I have a lot to say about this, but since we're having an understanding that men can become codependent in relationships as well, 
Can you identify how we as men show signs of becoming codependent in terms of behaviors or signs that we may show through our actions and or our thoughts? Well, I'll go first. (laughs) I will go first and say that I feel like in high school I had this really bad. I was codependent. I always felt like I always had to have a girl by my side, like no matter what. And it was like it was to the point to where I didn't even realize if I truly actually had feelings for that girl or if I was just doing it just because I felt like I needed somebody by my side. But I would always jump. I would jump from girl to girl. And it wasn't even like that. It would be like it would be like three months since five months since. But like I was all in on that girl. And I was like, yeah, I got this. And then I would jump and then things wouldn't work out. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not really feeling her anymore. And then I would be quick to jump into that next relationship. And I really never gave myself that time to be like, hey, like, be alone. Like, you don't need a girl in your life. Like, you can just do things and not have a girl on you at all times. Like, that, you not have that partner at all times. And I feel like that was something I really struggled with. And I feel like I never really realized that I struggled with that until I got to college. And, like, my friends would be like, would tell me, the, there was a pattern. My mom, my family would tell me like, this is a pattern. Like you do this, like, and I would always deny. I'd be like, nah, nah, I really, I really do like these girls. And not to say I didn't, I really truly did like a lot of the things and a lot of the girls that I was with and the things that we brought to each other. But I felt like right. I was always in the cycle of like three months to go by. Yeah. I'm, I don't really like her. Like I thought I did. I'm gonna go find somebody else. Instead of just really taking that time to actually be alone and not have a girl and to just work on myself, growth. And I feel like I didn't realize that and I didn't try to do those things until I got to college. And I felt like at that point I was more backtracking instead of catching it when my friends, my family was telling me that that was something that I was doing months, years before. You know what the tricky thing about codependency is, too, brother, is... I keep saying brother like I'm Hulk Hogan. I need to get that out of my, <laughs> my vocabulary, bro. That's so bad. <laughs> Listen here, brother. Uh, the tricky thing, uh, going back to my point, man, I go on too many tangents, but going back to my point, uh, the tricky thing about codependency too is when you in it, you don't see it. You know, like the old saying, love is blind. Like when you in codependency and listen, actually, let me put this camera on me, bro, before I move on. Cause I got, I got a, a declaration to make. You are looking at former captain, corporal and commander codependent right here. <laughs> I mean, I was going into battle with my codependent shield. I mean, BJ, I know this ain't going to come out for a couple weeks. So if we can maybe get a whole poster with the captain American shield, cause that's my favorite soldier. And I want commander. And this is going to add this to my list of demands, but I want commander codependent. Well, former commander codependent. Cause I was leading. Oh man. I had, I was like Ulysses S grant. I mean, I was like George, I was like George Patton. I was going, Oh man. I was the codependent warrior. Oh, just, Oh man. I ain't know I had it though. My point is Trey, let me get back to being serious is you don't really see the codependency until you're out of it. And it sucks that within it, you can't really see the signs. Mm-hmm. But um, it's definitely something that I think we got to catch and something that we have to understand that our friends see a lot of things that we're blind to because we're in it. 
So um, seeing a fresh perspective outside of it, and it don't have to be anything. You know, you could take a lot of people's opinion with a grain of salt, but um, when you're in it, it's it's like impossible to to see those type of signs. So um, getting off of my little joking tangent, that wasn't a joke. Actually, I really was commander codependent. That's not a joke. But uh, I'll go to you, BJ. What what in terms of my question? How do you think codependency shows up as or as manifested as men um, that we don't really talk about or we don't really speak about? That's a hard one for me. Um, I genuinely, and I correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I'm not a codependent individual. And I say no. this for one reason, because I have people that have argued with me about this differently, and they see it from a different perspective. But I truly feel like at times I kind of crave being alone. Like I love being around people, but at a certain time my battery runs out. I just want to be by myself. And I feel like that's where I operate best is when I'm by myself. So living with you for five years, I can confirm. I do not. We got a confirmation. I got a confirmation. Cool, because I have somebody that listens that's going to disagree, and that's okay. Yeah, not at all. I think you're the farthest thing from. Not been with you. You wasn't. Hey, Trey, I'm gonna say this. No, he wasn't. You wasn't a part of my army. Now I know the people that. I know the people that was rolling with me. Oh, I man. I know who was in the back with me in them yeah. trenches being I went, I went in the trenches with you. Yeah, he, now, y'all wasn't in them codependent trenches like me, oh, big man. dog. Y'all, <laughs> hey, y'all, hey, listen, bro, these streets is dirty. All right, that war was dirty. All right, so y'all don't want to be there. So be happy you ain't there, brother. And it's some nasty oh. work that go on over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess if I could chime in on this, oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah, uh. I, I was definitely a part of that army. I was probably the uh, Secretary of State or something oh like that. Oh, my Jesus uh, Christ. I was definitely a very high-ranking member. <laughs> I was a very high-ranking member in that. Um, <laughs> I, w- I will say, though, I will say, if we can be real, um, you know, there is – codependency is natural because humans naturally long to be in the group or to belong. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's very true. So, so to have codependency to a degree, it's not like you're the problem. That is a natural thing. It's more of what you're doing with this natural feeling and how is it affecting everything around you, you know? Um, so I guess to move to my story, and uh, me and Jordan have talked a very very, very, very long time about this. Oh, don't tell me. I know who it is. Do I know who it is? I'm not going to say no names. Most people know who it is. Of course, we're not going to say names. But Oh, um, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, go Trey ahead. Trey and BJ ahead. don't know. Uh, there was a time where I was in a relationship in college. And um, how I am in relationships, to be general, is that I'm not the type of person to be in a relationship just to be in it. So when I am in the relationship, I really do see something and I really um, find something special about the person. I just don't tend to date a lot of people. That's just how I was and how I've usually been. But um, yeah, uh, that was just a very significant problem for me was the codependency and I just couldn't figure it out. And then obviously when the relationship ended up ending, you know, that just put me, it just put me in a very bad place. It just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what my hold on the individual was. And I really couldn't figure out 
what I needed to do to move on. And it took me years and lots of conversations to really put it together and to figure out what was the problem. And what I found out and what I would like to share to you guys and to the audience and Jordan, I don't even think I ever told you about this, but, um, you know, a lot of people get don't ever get in a relationship to run away from something, basically. Right. And that's really what my issue was, is that the relationship wasn't bad. It's just more the fact of why I was in the relationship and what I was running away from and what I thought the relationship could solve. I'm here to tell you right now that your significant other, your girlfriend, your spouse, they are not qualified to be your therapist. You know, uh, we talk about self-awareness. We talk about support. All that stuff is great. But at some point, you need to take it upon yourself to see some type of professional help. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's just a normal person. They have their own issues. They have their own struggles. So to try to throw all of your problems onto an individual who already has their own problems that they're dealing with, it's just very unreasonable. And with me... um, I think Jordan, you were the one who first put it in my head was um, it was just a very bad issue of uh, belonging and the feeling of being alone. Um, You know, I had great friends. I have a very large family. But with that being said, I still had a lot of times where I just felt like it was just me in a bad way. You know, um, it's fine to be alone and to enjoy the comfort of it. But I just had that identity issue to where it was like, what am I? What am I supposed to do? You know, what am I without being next to this person? What am I without being in this sport? What am I without being in school, doing the, doing whatever? And I carried that with me through all of my relationships. And I can definitely say that was a major problem in the relationship is that my expectations on how the relationship needed to go was so unrealistic because what I wanted to happen was almost impossible to happen. Mm -hmm. It was almost like I was trying to morph into the person while that other person was still its own person. So trying to put two people together, you know what I mean? And I would just say for healing for me and for anyone, you do have to understand that, that you need to be comfortable with being yourself. You need to be comfortable with who you are, what you are, and what you're about before you decide to take that step forward and to be in a relationship with another person. Because that's all it is. Being in a relationship, it's just coexisting with each other. Mm-hmm. It's not one person becoming the other person or, or anything like that. You know, that that's where you get the toxic, that's where you get the unhealthy dynamics and things. Um, but I've I actually don't have a great way to end it. It's just uh, that was just a really tough thing that I knew that I had to sit back and actually go through and eventually heal from. And again, wouldn't be without the great support that I had that was able to listen to me and help me see things that I guess I wasn't looking for. Absolutely, bro. And that leads into the that was a powerful story on how and i don't and i gotta commend you guys bro before i get into my story and then after my story we're gonna get into closing remarks because for the third time i'm gonna say i gotta promise to keep so um 
uh, with that though, bro, is it's um, I want to commend y'all for being so open and being so vulnerable, bro. Um, somebody came up to me and was like, bro, like, do you understand, bro, at the young age that y'all get we putting out stuff, bro, that's gonna live forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's power and vulnerability and a lot of stuff that we share. Like, obviously, you ain't gonna tell everything and. You know what I'm saying? More people are more open with other people, whatever the case may be. But for y'all to come on here, bro, and to add y'all own struggles, bro, and to understand that there's a possibility that you can be judged, but understanding that your mission and our mission collectively is bigger than that. Bro, I, I commend y'all for that because that's what this is all about. So just to get into my story, bro, uh, commend. I'm, and let me preface this before I get into it, bro. I joke a lot, but in the in the midst of it, none of this was funny. Like, it was very, very serious. And hell can attest to this. Shay can attest to this. June, the people that live with me. I'm not going to get into all the details because it's a little it's a little too detailed. But um, I'll, I'll go with this. Is that in terms of codependency for me, bro, I knew that. And I had one very serious girlfriend. I had her for four and a half years. And um, relationship was really going great. Um, but I started to see faults within myself that was kind of affecting the relationships. Hence why I talk about the codependency and how it's shown by men. Um, I think one of the signs that I started to recognize and it was, it sucked because it was kind of later on down the road is that I was hurting this girl because I was being very possessive. And I think sometimes as men, like we want to be controlling, we want to feel that sense of security. And I realized that because I had some insecurities within myself. I had a lot, not a sum. I had a whole back load or backpack full of them of insecurities that I wanted to her to, to and I expected her to to fulfill for me. And so for me, um like it started to I started to be very possessive. I started to get very angry. I was being very unreasonable in the moment like I thought the controlling behavior was just the action per se. It don't condone the actions that I was partaking in. I mean I did a lot wrong but um and it doesn't make anything right nothing egregious or nothing but just to, to move forward is just like i didn't realize the codependency until like i said i was out of it right it was four and a half years just like the only this the woman the first woman i'm talking about this a woman that i never even told my mom some of this stuff this talking about the closest woman to me like you know what i'm saying like I don't even she know more about me than anybody knew like I was it was that type of safe space. So to remove that out of my life and I knew that it was what it really was, was a manifestation of a problem that I always knew I had. And that was an identity issue. I was very insecure myself. I knew I was very I had a lot of feminine qualities because I grew up around all women that I hated about myself. I hated my last name because I had feminine qualities. So in a lot of ways, football provided a, a type of shield for me to where I can come off. Not only was I good at it, but it also provided me with the love, support and the image of me being tougher than what I really was. And in her case, she also provided me with a sense of security that I never had within myself. And and until she was gone, bro, it was. Yeah, it was the memories, the the communication, the person who it was. Yeah, that hurt a lot. But what what? I wish y'all got to see Trey and BJ, bro, the the spiral that I was on. And hell can attest to this, bro. Like, it was nasty. Like, uh, we were talking about suicidal ideations, bro. Hell remembers I wasn't eating. I was locking myself in the room for three days and four days at a time. 
like it, it was bad and i was trying i was reeling bro i was trying to go through and what i was trying to do was i was trying to replace her with all these different type of type of women not in the sense of just being romantic but i just needed somebody there like i, I was panicking like i needed somebody and it was all stemming from i just didn't have a sense of security within myself and i think with that codependency bro is i expected so much out of her that wasn't her fault it wasn't her job to be that for me and yeah we were young and it's a lot of other factors into it but the fact of the matter is to just to wrap up the story is like especially for as men we don't think that we can become codependent yes we can yes we can bro like like it was some some things that i never thought i would have you know what i'm saying thought or did or like how far i took it and so it's it's powerful for me to be able to be around y'all like <laughs> it makes it easier that y'all were able to share your story so i could share mine but the fact of the matter is bro i'm gonna just end it like this man i didn't cuss this time mom so i'm gonna have to use a cuss word right here uh it was the first time, bro, that I think her leaving and understanding that the codependency and her not being there with me anymore and our relationship being broken was like, Jordan, you're fucking hurt. That's what it is, bro. You fucking hurt. All right. Like you're hurt. You're upset. Like you can't run away from it. Like I had to stop minimizing it, bro. Like I'm sick. I was so sick of my own shit. And I'm 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 getting a little bit upset because I was so sick of my own shit to the fact that it was like, bro, you upset, bro. Just be upset. Like it's okay to cry, bro. This hurts you deeply. Like go through that whole range of emotion, bro. Like, and I just felt like I never had that. I never been able to be a, to have that type of environment where I felt like I was safe to 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 be that that hurt person that I really was and had been my whole entire life. So I was dealing with 18, 19 years of hurt that and it was just bottled up and um just to wrap my story up with the codependency part is just that it happens to us men quite often than we like to admit it but and it's, it's shown in different ways it's shown through anger it's shown through possessiveness it's shown through um controlling behaviors just like i did but we have to find ways of unlearning some of these behaviors we have to find ways of healthy living we have to find healthy relationships and doing our part to understand what real healthy love is and not just a relation romantic relationship but any relationship so in terms of that uh i didn't cry this time i was gonna cry i, I thought i was gonna cry but i think i got a lot of crying out yesterday so uh i'm proud of myself on that standpoint it's good to cry too but let's get into closing remarks um and how i want to do these closing remarks fellas because this is the season finale and i want to end on something positive it is modeling empower narratives and we're trying to destigmatize a lot of these narratives talking about you know men's mental health and mental health just in general what is one thing and i will go with bj first i want one piece of advice for our fans our listeners for our men because this is healing for men the episode what is a piece of advice in terms of a person that's going through something and looking to heal or in the middle of a process of healing? Or do you have any words of encouragement for that person that may be listening? Talk to somebody, seek help. You know, I had a similar situation to you where I went through a very long term relationship. And then when I got out of it, initially, I was I was really down bad. I wasn't talking to anybody about it. I was just kind of simmering, just letting stuff build up. 
it was about like a week later where I finally realized I, I need to talk to somebody. I can't just keep doing this. And that's something I probably needed my entire majority of my life. I used to go to therapy when I was younger and I stopped when I got to high school. It probably would have helped me throughout high school. It definitely would have helped me through college. And when I started going through therapy during the summer, it really helped me. So just don't feel like you can't go reach out to anybody like that doesn't make you a man. If anything, admitting that you have a problem makes you more of a man. So just feel free to reach out. And honestly, I mean, you can find all our social handle, our social media handles. Reach out to one of us. We're I'm Absolutely. sure every one of us will respond. I know I will. So Absolutely. Hale. Yeah. Um definitely. Um definitely don't be afraid to reach out for sure. Uh we would like that. That'd be great. And uh having this discussion again, we we want to create a community with this. This isn't just about us just talking, you know. Um I would say with uh everything we say, one point that I did realize that I do want to make clear is that we're not here to point the finger at anyone. All right how we talked about how sad we are, how hurt we are, the situation and stuff. I'm I'm not in the mindset that now we should just like hate all women or something like that. I do not believe in that mindset, you know, or I should never be in a relationship again. I just don't think that's a great mindset for any person to have, regardless of the experience that they have. And um, to add on to that, the most important thing that you can do is for you to take accountability. If there's one thing, honestly, if there's one thing that we could pull from this entire season of self-awareness that we just spent an entire year putting together through the ups and downs and everything, there's one thing that we can tie this all together with is that you are in control of your own life. All right? It is up to you. It is up to you to wake up every day and decide what you want out of this life and what you want to do and when you want to do it. And the more that you believe in that, the more that you would accomplish with what you would like to do. Um, yeah, the last thing I really want to say about that is just that, again, it is about you. And it's only about you. There's no victims here. All right. No matter what can happen, no matter what you feel like is your fault, what's not your fault, you are in charge for what happens in your life. Take that responsibility, take that accountability and move forward with that. Your biggest roadblock is going to be your own self telling you that you can't do it. That's going to be your biggest roadblock. I guarantee it. Break through that mental barrier, however it is. We gave you so many solutions through this entire season of things that you can do, different ideologies, different opinions. Do what you need to do so you can start moving forward into your life. Absolutely. That's a great, great, great piece of advice. Trey, go to you. Uh, I would say my wrap up for the whole season really is that be cognizant of your downfalls. Like try to really stretch out and find that self-awareness, find those niches that you might have that might not be valuable traits or just things like that. Just really self-reflect on yourself and the things that you're doing, the things that you're doing in your life, your career path, your friends you hang around with, the things that you are doing outside of everything and be able to be comfortable with being alone. 
Uh-huh. And it's okay to be alone is my biggest thing that I would say throughout this whole season and the wrap up of everything. It's okay to be alone and it's okay for things to not work out. Oh, we, you just spoke to my soul. Yeah, bro. Everything is not, uh, yeah, I don't know what that little jig was, bro. God, <laughs> I, I play, play too much, man. I play entirely I too liked much. It. Uh, you liked it. Appreciate you, bro. Um, but my closing remark would be, um, Trey, like you said, bro, everything is not supposed to last forever. The one thing I've learned in life, too, and just as my my piece of advice as well is, bro, just being in the moment and seeing people as an experience and seeing his life as an experience more than a possession, like experience people rather than just what can they do for me? Like just actually go learn that person, bro. And I understand we always want to hang on to people, but sometimes people are experienced and that's okay. Like, like Trey said, that's okay to, that that's a person, that's an experience. And there's a lot that you can learn from that. And my piece of advice for us men in particular is to understand that we got to be able to create the community, the community, because we could sit here all day and talk about what that individual person can do. And it, yeah, it does fall on the individual, but why we all men don't do it is because we don't all feel like we safe enough or we going to be, we don't want to feel judged, bro. Like, that's what it is straight up. Like, we don't want to be the soft guy. We don't want to be judged. So we as men, again, going back to our name, modeling power narratives, have to create a community to where if our brother is hurt, our brother can come down and say he hurt and not feel like he's going to get judged. And we got to make them not only know that, but we got to make us men feel that feel like they could come be around us and be authentic they ain't got to minimize it they ain't got to make it look sexy they ain't got to tailor it they ain't got to be like hey bro this this don't really bother you no bro it bother you a lot let's talk about it i'm with you brother like i love you like we gotta be more open to doing that and that's gonna be the biggest breakthrough is us starting at a community level recognizing what we could do as the eye but we gotta make people feel like they are safe enough to even be in our presence enough to be not judged and be themselves. So in wrapping this all up, we want to thank you guys for this ride um, with season two. Make sure, like I said, to like, share, um, comment, turn your notifications on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. I'm coming up on the 115 mark, so I got to make that promise happen. Um, And uh, just a little nugget, if you already made it to 114 and you already made it to like the end of this episode, a little nugget for you is... Your boys are getting back together this weekend and we'll have a little season recap and a lot more in store. You know what I'm saying? You know, what I'm saying? Yeah. We got a lot more yeah. stuff. Hey, what's, hey, what's Trey saying? We're going we gonna to incorporate some sayings next season. You, you dig? You know, you dig. You dig. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going we gonna to incorporate that. But we appreciate all the like, the love, support, bro. And um, just continue to be on this journey with us because I think these are conversations that we need to have and just like i said to wrap this all up the more we talk about it as four it helps us but not only do it help other people but the more we talk about it is helping us get it off our chest and heal from these things because these are lifelong things that we heal from so all righty with that being said we want we appreciate the journey and this has been a great season for us and we look forward to um you guys support things. absolutely absolutely yeah.